This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Welcome, friends, to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you so, so much for tuning in and joining us on a new episode, season three. It's always a joy to come to you guys every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Just a quick reminder, if you have not followed us on social media, I will so, so love to uh, invite you all to stay connected with us. And the way that you can do that is by following us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and even Twitter. And the easiest way to be able to find us on social media is by visiting the link here on the show notes. And there you will find the main link which will direct you to all the different places where you can find our podcast. Uh, we would just love to hear from you guys. So thank you again. Thank you for listening. And I will encourage you that if you are enjoying this, that you will help us by sharing with your friends and family and just let us know how the Lord has been using this podcast in your own life. And as we do every Tuesday, we do have a new guest. Uh, this guest is such a special friend that I will, I have been able to get to know through social media. In fact, I actually listened to her testimony in the Girl Defined podcast, so the Girl Defined show. And uh, I was able to listen to part of the, her testimony there. And then by the end of that, that episode, <laughs> the ladies were like, come back next week to listen to the other part of the testimony. But me being the impatient person that I am, I was like, I can't I need to hear the whole testimony. And so I did. I went on Google and I researched her name and then it came up on Revive Our Hearts. And I was able to listen to the full testimony. And then through this, both of this podcast, I was able to learn about her book. And our guest is Kim Jaggers. Kim Jaggers, it's the author of Truth to Hold On To. And it's been so encouraging to be able to read Kim's book, Truth to Hold On To. It's just her testimony of salvation, but also a testimony of hope, encouragement, uh, that even when we're in the darkest of times in our life, whether tragedy comes or whether we lose a loved one, we can find peace in the word of God, knowing that he is in full control of everything that we're facing. And I know this will be, and I know, and I do pray that this is an encouragement to you. And if you do know someone who will be blessed by this testimony, I will so encourage you to share uh, and let other people know. And I do pray that this is an encouragement to you guys and a reminder that it doesn't matter what you're going through. Our God is so much bigger and so much powerful than the circumstances that we might be facing at this time. And guys, well, here is my uh, conversation with Kim Jaggers. All right, friends, and I am here with a sweet, dear sister, as you probably heard in the beginning uh, when I did the introduction, that I was able to connect with her through social media. And I would love for you to help me welcome Kim, Kim Jaggers. Thank you so much for joining me, Kim. And Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. It is great to be here. Great to talk with you today. I have to show this, but I this book, I am so glad that I, I found it. Not only did I hear your testimony and uh, Girl Defined, but then because I couldn't wait for the second part because they said, oh, come back next week. And me not being the most patient woman <laughs> in this world, I was like, 
uh, no, I need to go and find it. I need to go and see if I can find it somewhere else. And I went on Google and I searched for this. And sure enough, it popped on Revive Our Hearts um, with Nancy uh, Walgamoth, right? Uh-huh. And uh, I I was able to continue listening to it. And then I, I learned that about also about your book. And right after I finished reading, uh, just listening to the podcast, I went and I ordered the book. And it's been, I just like I told you in the beginning, uh, before we started recording, just how wonderful, what a wonderful reminder it has been to, through your testimony of not only the power of the Lord to, to save sinners uh, through the power of the gospel, but even to encourage us in, in, the, in the darkest of times of our yeah. life. And I think your story, it's... And a great example of that, your testimony is such a great example of a Lord who remains faithful, a, a Lord yeah. that saves, but a, a, a Savior also who sympathizes with our suffering, who mm-hmm. is close to us when we need him. Mm-hmm. Even though we might feel like he is far from us, he is so close to us. And I think I, I was able to see it throughout your um, your testimony and throughout the book because I love it because you go in so much details on your book. And I remember reading it with my husband one night out loud and I, I just choked up. I was I was in tears. And it's just also a reminder of what a wonderful power the word of God has that it's um, to keep sinners like us to be faithful to him mm-hmm. even in those dark times. So thank yeah. you so much for sharing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he's so good. He's so close. He's so present. He's so available to us, you know, in the, in the good days, of course, but in the hard days, you know, we can always count on him. Yes. It, that, amen. And I, I, I mean, I even keep seeing it now in your social media following you, uh, you're so uh, encouraging and just trying to encourage believers out there, whatever the circumstances, because the trials never end, right? We, we might go through a massive trial, but then like right around the corner, there is another one waiting for us. Yeah, and- that's so true. So true. You know, life is full of ups and downs and, and we all want to stay on that up, but that's not reality. We all have those hard days. And so, you know, knowing, knowing Jesus you know, knowing that he's really real, more real than the air that you breathe, that you can you can actually count on him, that he'll speak into those moments where you think I can't go on. I mean, that changes everything. Amen. Amen. And let's get started with, um, I normally like to have my guests to kind of give us a little background um, about their life, their upbringing, their family. What was it like? Uh, were you raised in a believing home? Just take us back to your childhood and and then you can take sure. it from there as far as far as you want to. Yes. <laughs> sure. Well, most of you can probably tell that I was raised in the South. You know, as soon as I open my mouth, most of you will know that's that's where I came from. And so I grew up in the Bible Belt where church was absolutely something that um, most people that I knew, that my family, um, that we did. And so Sundays and Wednesdays, um, I was always in church. Um, You know, I I grew up with two Christian parents, uh, and I'm so thankful, thankful for that. Um, And at age nine, I remember being in church, and the the pastor was talking about heaven and he was talking about hell. And I thought, well, this is a no brainer. And so I walked the aisle and said, I want to go to heaven. I believe in Jesus. And I was baptized. And I remember thinking, you know, check, 
got that done. Let's, let's just move on and, you know, keep making good decisions. And, um, so that was, that was kind of, uh, how I grew up. Um, but I really didn't give Jesus a whole lot of thought after that day. I kind of felt like, you know, I had my fire insurance in place and I'll just go on being me doing what I want, uh, what I want to do. And so that's, that's what I did. Um, what about your parents? What was, uh, what was home like? Um, how were they raising you in the word of God? You know, because yeah. yes, you went to church, but, uh, as believers, right. Especially for parents, there is a greater responsibility of teaching their kids, the ways of the Lord, teaching the word of God, sharing the gospel. That is your ministry at home. Um, you know, hoping that the Lord uh, will save your kids. So what right. was that like for you with your parents? Uh, what involvement did they have in, um, in your, in your spiritual life and in, in your right. life with the Lord? Yeah. Um, I remember from my earliest of memories, my mom reading the Bible to us. Um, she would read it often. Um, we would pray together. Um, we were always in, very much encouraged to, um, to walk in, in, in moral ways, uh, especially for my father, um, you know, but I think the difference for me, uh, was that I always kind of thought, you know, that's good for Sundays and that's good for family devotions, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm capable of running my life my way. Whereas I had a brother who absolutely, he would read the word, apply it to his life, walk in freedom where I was out here going, yeah, let's try this or let's try that. Or, you know, Jesus is good enough for Sunday, but you know, the rest of the week, I'll just, I'll take care of me. So that was, that was kind of the difference in the two of us. And for the most part, things worked out good for me. I ended up getting a scholarship to university of Tennessee and, you know, I, I seemed to be getting the right answers and life seemed to be going well. And I remember as a young adult, um, I was coming out of one of my classes at, at UT and, um, you know, have you ever had one of those moments where, you know, just time seems to stand still and music plays in the background and tall, dark and handsome, you know, walks up to you. And so that was, that happened for me, um, at, at UT and, um, this guy walks up and he says, Hey, I need help in calculus. I hear you tutoring calculus. And so I thought, yes, I can help you. And, and, and he needed lots and lots and lots of help. And so uh, we started studying together and uh, long story short, um, he asked me out, we started dating and we ended up getting married. And I thought, you know, check, there's another right answer, you know, marrying tall, dark and handsome and things are looking good. Um, and you're not a believer at this point. No, you're not no, saved. I, I am not saved. I'd had a religion that had not changed my life. You know, it was it was funny because it was during a time where things were all going well for me. You know, we had the big house. I had the, the good looking husband. I had the good job. Um, you know, I had a, had had a, a very healthy baby boy. And it was at that point that I began to think, you know, I really thought I would be happier by now, you know, having all these things that the world says will make you happy. And, you know, we're still going to church because that's what, I mean, that's what we did. Uh, that was just part of our lives. We knew our mamas would ask us if we weren't at church on Sunday. So by golly, we were at church on Sunday. And um, he was raised in a Christian home too. He was also he not a believer either. He was 
deceived thinking right. that, oh, I am a believer. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both thought, you know, that's enough. What, what more is there? Um, but it's funny because after I had attained all those good things, I started to think, you know, I, I really thought I'd be happier at this point. And I, I kept thinking, I feel like I'm missing something. And I was around all these women at church who had lives that did not look nearly as pretty as mine. You know, some of them were going through cancer. Some of them were going through hard times in their marriages or, or they had lost jobs and were facing, you know, financial difficulties. But they seemed to just have this peace and this joy that, that didn't change with their circumstances. And I remember thinking, I want, I want what they have, but I didn't understand at that point what it was that was different. Um, you know, and I started thinking, you know, are they all on antidepressants? You know, what is it about these women that they're okay? They're joyful when I would be falling apart if I was walking through what they were walking through. I remember one particular Sunday, we were sitting in church and the pastor was talking and he was talking about a time when Jesus was in Capernaum and this demon possessed man comes up to him and he says, ha, Jesus of Nazareth, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, did, did a demon just say that Jesus is the Holy One of God, the Son of God? Because I don't think there's demons in heaven, you know, and I'm, so, I'm grabbing my Bible and, you know, trying to figure out, did the pastor read that wrong or, you know, what, what was wrong? And thankfully, um, he quickly began to, the pastor quickly began to explain that there's a difference between a head knowledge, you know, that the Bible tells us the demons believe and shudder. And a difference between that and a heart knowledge, a heart that has been surrendered, a life that has been surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord. And I knew that day that I had never surrendered my life to Jesus. And that changed everything because I prayed that day. I prayed, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. I want to follow you. Will you reveal yourself to me and help me to follow you in in every way possible? And that day, everything began to change. I began to have peace and hope and joy that was not dependent on my circumstances. I began to find that, you know, his word that Honestly, it used to be a bore to me to read. I thought I, it was like a checklist thing. Like if you read so much a day, it keeps the devil away or, you know, something like that. And and I began to understand that his word is how he loves us and how he directs us to his best and how he he guides our decisions. He direct our, directs our steps. And it's not just a list of rules. You know, he's not a party pooper. He really is for our best. And, and when we follow him in real relationship, that's where we find that. And so that day that I surrendered my life to Jesus, I am so thankful. He is the hope. He is the hope for all who will call on his name. And it's interesting because you said I had everything off the checklist, right? Mm -hmm. You had the handsome husband, right? You marry the handsome husband and then you guys have a big house. I mean, for the world, it seems like you guys have everything. And right. you'd be happy because you already have, and you should, you know, you should be extremely happy because you already have the things that you, that you think are supposed to be giving you the, the happiness. But yet right. how funny it is that you're saying like, well, I just didn't have the speeds that this ladies and my Bible study 
seem to have. And it is until the Lord finally opens your eyes that you're finally to say, I do have this joy that surpasses all understanding. Right. And that is only through the power of the uh, the word of God that we can get to that point in our life. Nothing in this world can satisfy us. Nothing in this right. world can give us that joy and peace that only Jesus himself can give us when he comes into our life and changes, right? And what are some of the other changes that you started noticing in your life? What what changed from before? Like, what was your life like? Like, yes, you wanted like your own way. Okay, Jesus is only good for Sundays. But what are mm-hmm. some of those major changes that you start noticing in your own life? I began to realize that um, he's such a patient savior and that his Holy Spirit does teach. And that the more that I learned to trust him more than I trusted me, the more peace I had. So, you know, I began to to obey him in ways that, you know, didn't necessarily at first seem easy, um, you know, to not repay evil for evil or, you know, to 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 try to submit to my husband, you know, to things like that that weren't typical for my personality or, you know, how I'd really ran my life up into this point. And so as I began to to obey him, to acknowledge him in all my ways, he made those paths straight and he gave me that peace and that joy and that hope. And 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 I would find that, you know, when I would trust him in the smaller things, it would help me to have courage to then trust him, you know, in the bigger, the harder things. And 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 find that that joy, that peace that I could count on him. I could trust him more than I trust me. That he is, you know, his ways really are good. And 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 that was a, a big difference for me. I began to to crave the word of God, you know, whereas used to before it really was kind of like a a religious practice. Like I would read it sometimes. And I'd read some months, then I'd quit, then I'd try again. But I began to really, I prayed one day, Lord, let me, let me crave your word more than chocolate because I love chocolate. I think about chocolate all the time. I have chocolate all the time. And so I said, you know, that's the one thing I, I just let me, let me crave your word more than chocolate. And he answered that prayer. And I began to, to want to be in the word every single day. And and I began to understand that that's where he would speak. You know, things would be going on in my life. And, and he would show me a verse that was so relevant to the things that, um, that I was facing. And so I began to go, you know, he really is speaking to me. That word really is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It is what we need every single day. And that as I guarded my heart and mind in truth, you know, it was easier to walk in truth. And so, um, and, and it, it, it was that daily relationship. I began to really get to know him and want to hear from him and, and, and pray to him about everything, not just the big things, but everything, because there's nothing, you know, when we think about it, there's nothing too big for God or too small for God from, from his standpoint, it's all the same. And so, um, you know, it was that it was that real relationship that he was growing in me as he revealed himself um, to me. And what about your marriage? Because so you get saved, but your husband is still not saved, right. Right. So right. what 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 is it like? Like what, what does marriage look like for you? Does he start noticing this changes? Does it affect him? Like was he bothered by this? Yeah. Like what is the relationship between the two of you now that you're saved, but he's not? Right. Um, so I began praying, you know, Lord, I, please help Rick to be that spiritual leader that I know I need because I, it, 
I knew it wasn't God's will for me to be the one saying, hey, let's go to church. Let's pray. Let's, um, you know, let's do these things. I knew that was not God's will. And so I really began to pray, um, you know, for that to happen. But it was hard because it really, you know, it really wasn't happening. Um, you know, I'm still going to Bible studies. I'm growing in my walk, but, but he's not. And so, you know, keeping my mouth shut and praying was hard. Um, but the times that I managed to go to the Lord and, and really do that, I saw him intervene on my behalf. You know, during this time, I'm reading scripture. I came across the one about being fruitful and multiplying. And so I'm like, hey, let's get pregnant again. We've got a toddler and and I'm loving being a mom and I was ready to be a mom again. We get pregnant. And but, you know, when you're involved in a in a marriage with with unequally yoked where you're where you're not um where one is a believer and one's not it's it's hard um but again, I was continuing to pray for that and but that that pregnancy um became very hard um I was um it was Father's Day weekend and I don't know about your church but our church at the time usually on Father's Day you could count on a sermon that was going to be about you know how to be a good husband and a good father and a good spiritual leader and I remember thinking oh we've got to go to church that's so important we've got to go to church on this Sunday and so that Saturday I was taking care of of my toddler I was um I was pregnant. I was pickling, you know, making pickles because I was trying to be a little bit more domestic. I'd kind of always been academic and I wanted to be a little bit more domestic. Back then, wallpaper was in and I, I was wallpapering. So it was a busy Saturday for me. And I remember lifting the pot of pickles off the stove and I noticed that water ran down my leg and I thought, well, that didn't burn. But, you know, I was busy because I had the toddler and I have wallpaper going on and all this stuff. So I didn't pay much attention to it. Well, that night, my back started hurting just really, really bad. And, um, but I thought, I'll just, you know, I'll go to bed. It'll feel better. Um, I get up the next morning. It's still hurting, but it's Sunday and it's Father's Day and I really want to go to church. And so uh, we get, we get ready for church. We get our little toddler wheel ready for church. We go to church and we're setting in Sunday school, which is, that's what we used to call it back then. Now it's Bible fellowship group or, you know, that sort of thing. But we're in Sunday school, which was a couple's class. And Rick is rubbing my back, you know, because it's hurting. And, and finally, I said, you know, I think we're going to have to go home because these pains, they just keep coming and going in my back. And so we go home and I call my doctor, my OB. And I said, you know, I think I've overdone it. My back is hurting. I'm having these pains. What can I take? I'm 25 weeks pregnant. And he said, you know, Kim, I think you ought to come in. And I said, come in. He goes, yeah, I'd like for you to come into the hospital and let me check you. You know, I argued with him for a little bit, you know, telling him, you know, I just think I strained my back. And he convinced me, no, I needed to come in. So long story short, uh, we get to the hospital and they check me and my water has broken. I'm 25 weeks pregnant and I have what's called a slow leak. And so I'm in labor and those pains that were coming every few minutes I was contracting. And at this point, I'm, I'm having contractions every minute. So they give me this awful stuff called mag sulfate. They're trying to stop my labor because at that point, if Ben had been born at 25 weeks during that time, he would have had about a 50-50 chance of survival. They were doing everything they could to, to stop that labor. And, and they did end up stopping it in the middle of the night that night. 
But then I had to spend the next, the rest of the pregnancy in the hospital on bed rest because I had ruptured my membrane. So I'm there, I'm going in and out of labor. You know, everything is kind of not as I had planned. You know, I didn't have the nursery ready. I hadn't finished up everything at work I wanted to finish. And so, you know, life has just suddenly been tossed. And, um, you know, so I'm just praying and asking God, you know, let this baby um, be okay. And I make it to 31 weeks and I, I spike a fever and they decide, you know, I can't go any further. And so Ben is born. And he's two pounds and 12 ounces. He's not breathing on his own. He's got all kinds of, you know, heart problems and lung problems and stomach problems. And he is, I mean, he's just struggling, struggling for life. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm praying, you know, God, this is, this is hard, you know, and and I'm wanting Rick to, to pray with me and lead me in prayer and, you know, give me scripture, you know, all those things that, that you know, I would, you would want a believing husband to do, um, you know, but he just wasn't. And I felt so alone, but God, you know, God through his word, God through other believers, God through, you know, just the way he took care of us during those really, really hard days, because Ben would end up spending 264 days of that first year in the hospital. And so we saw, you know, our finances crumble. We saw everything that felt like normal was suddenly abnormal. You know, I was having to leave my toddler with my parents, with friends. You know, I was going back and forth to the hospital with Ben and Ben just continued to be so, so sick. And I remember one of those times, um, Ben had a little portacast that they would use to access um, you know, so he didn't have to have IVs all the time, but his, his heart and his lungs were just so fragile and he developed a staph infection in that portacath. And so they, the doctors came in and they just whisked him out of the room and, and they had to go and take that out. And for Ben at that point to put him to sleep, you know, was, was high, high risk. And so I ran down at the time, uh, children's hospital had a little, um, place where you could pray, um, and so I went to that place and I'm just praying all the things that a mama would pray for, for her child in that moment, you know, God, help him to be okay. Help him to breathe like a big boy, Lord, help the doctors to, to do what they need to do and help him to come through this procedure. And, and as I was praying and just pleading with the Lord to, to let Ben be okay, I just, I just felt this, this voice. It wasn't like an audible voice, but just this voice in my spirit that said, what if he's not okay? Am I still good? Mm. And, you know, have you ever just wanted to just say something to the Lord, but it was so, so hard. And I remember praying, God, I know, I know you're good. Lord, even if you take this baby from me, I know you're still good. And in that moment, peace that made no sense. I mean, it was, it was better than my mama being there. It was better than my husband being there. I felt the presence of the Lord and Ben, Ben was okay. But at that moment, I really knew that I would face nothing that Jesus would not carry me through. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, things continue to be hard for us, um, because we had that huge house with that huge mortgage, um, 
And because I wasn't working at that point, we put the house up for sale and we moved into a double wide trailer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, life that had looked so pretty before now looked very not pretty. And um, there was a song on the radio back then about being the queen of my double wide trailer. If anybody listens to country music, you may remember that awful song. And, and um, Rick used to sing that song. We try to laugh at, you know, things were just, they were just hard, you know, but I kept praying, God, please, Lord, use all this, bring good from this. And, um, but Ben, you know, Ben kept getting sicker and Rick kept getting more distant. And I remember going through our bank statement because even though we had moved into the trailer, you know, we still just didn't seem to have enough money. And so I was going through the bank statement because I was the math person in the relationship. And uh, I noticed that there were 20 withdrawals um, for $20 from an ATM machine. That was back at the time when people used ATM machines to get cash. And so Rick had gotten $400 out of our bank account in one day. And so I called him at work and I said, I don't, you know, I don't understand. Why would you go and get 20 times to an ATM machine? And he said, oh, it was for work. And I said, well, I'd love to see some receipts. And I, and I hung up the phone. That was back when you, you know, could slam a phone. That was before we would just stop it on our cell phone. And so I hung up the phone and in what felt like a matter of moments, he was home and uh, home from work. And he, he said, I need you to sit down and I need you to listen to me. And I was so mad, you know, I'm, I'm thinking all sorts of things. I'm thinking he's got a girlfriend. I'm thinking he's using, you know, what's he using this cash for? And, and he said, you know, Kim, he said, one of the times when Ben was in um, the NICU, one of those times when um, they didn't know if he was going to make it, he said, I remember a guy in high school telling me, if you smoke pot, you'll forget your troubles. And so I was like, you smoked pot? You know, because this was, you know, Rick had been a college athlete. You know, he'd always told his brothers, you know, I'll kick your tail if I catch you doing drugs. I thought, no way would he do drugs. And and I said, so you smoke pot? And he said, no. And I said, well, good. And he said, no, I need you to listen to me. Mm-hmm. He said, I was going to. He said, I went up to a guy on the strip at UT and he said, I was going to buy some marijuana. He said, but he didn't have any and he gave me cocaine. And so he had been using cocaine for months and he had gone through our savings. He had emptied out his gun collection, his baseball card collection. He had sold all those things. He had maxed out his work credit card buying drugs. Did you ever notice anything in him? Like, did he show any signs of being like, because you say like he, he became distant, but yeah. did you, ch- did you see any changes like in his personality or uh, what, were there any signs at, at all in him? You know, I think knowing what I know now, I probably would have recognized the signs, um, but I'd never been around a drug user. I'd never, you know, that was all totally foreign to me. Um, and so just the distance, I did notice the distance and, and the, you know, the kind of the depression that was going on with him, but no, you know, I, I wish I had known sooner. Um, but I knew that day. And in that moment, I remember there was a lady in my Bible study. It was an older woman and, you know, it, it didn't matter what we were studying. Somehow it seemed like she always worked into the conversation 
that marriage is a commitment to the Lord. And in that moment that I wanted to, I, I mean, I was, I felt like, well, I should be done with this man. You know, here he is using drugs and going through everything we have while I've got a baby in the hospital. And, you know, everything about the situation seemed like I should be done with that man. I, I remember hearing that little older woman's voice in my head telling me marriage is a commitment to the Lord. And I knew from studying scripture that she was absolutely right. And so instead of, you know, boxing him in the nose, which is what I felt like doing, we went and talked to our pastor and, you know, and Rick, just like me, you know, he had grown up around a lot of things about God and he knew a lot about God, um, but he had never surrendered his life to Jesus. And that day he did. And I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for that, but he was physically addicted to cocaine. And so we knew we would have to do something um, to address that. And so we, along with my pastor, um, a couple weeks later, checked him into a rehab center, you know, and I never, I'd never been in a place like that before. And it was very, you know, it was overwhelming. It was hard. It was, you know, it was like you're walking through a nightmare, uh, but it's real. And um, so we checked him in there and then they told us, um, you know, you, you all can't talk. You can't, there'll be no phone calls, no conversation for 10 days. And, you know, as mad as I was at him, I, was deeply, deeply still in love with my husband. We had dated for four years. We'd been married for six at this point. So we had been together for 10 years and every single day, you know, we had talked. And, and so we said, we said goodbye and I drove home and I remember just crying, you know, the whole way home and, and praying, you know, God, this is, this is hard. You know, this is not how I thought things would turn out, but God, I know that you can work hard things together for good. And God, I'm just begging you to do that. And, but, but things continue to get harder. Mm -hmm. A couple of days after um, Rick had checked in to rehab, I got a a couple of phone calls from Ben's doctors and he, um, they had discovered that Ben had an extra lobe of his right lung. Um, He was, um, he was throwing up everything that they gave him um, and they, he was losing weight. His lungs were getting worse and they had determined that he was now failure to thrive is how they had classified him. So he's very, very at risk at this point. And they said, you know, Kim, what we want to do is we're going to take his stomach and we're going to wrap it up around his esophagus. We're going to do surgery where he physically cannot throw up. We're going to put a little G tube in his belly and we'll feed him that way. And then they said, but Kim, this is a very risky surgery. And this is a very sick little guy. And they told me they wanted me to take him home and enjoy him for the weekend. And I knew what they meant. Mm -hmm. And I knew my baby could die. And so I I called um, the rehab center and I, I let them know what the doctors had said. I let them know about the upcoming surgery for Ben and I asked them if they thought it would be okay for under the circumstances for, for Rick to come home and to spend time with Ben as that might be our last few days with him. 
And they said yes. And so I picked him up um, at the rehab center and and came home and we were there in that trailer. And, you know, I didn't have a dishwasher. So, you know, dishes are stacking up and I've got, you know, Will at this point is almost three and Ben's almost one. And so there's, you know, three-year-old toddler toys everywhere. And, the you know, the little house is just a wreck. And I remember Rick's just sitting over in a corner. You know, he's just very distant, not engaging with the boys, not engaging with me. And, you know, I just looked around that room and I just got mad. You know, I got mad at my circumstances, mad at everything that was going on. And, you know, and I just looked at him and I just said, you know what? I hate you. I I just hate you. And um, I got the boys ready for bed and then I went to bed and and um, and Rick comes to bed. and, And so I'm pretending like I'm asleep because I don't want to talk to him. But then he falls asleep and he starts snoring. And then I'm more mad that he didn't notice that I was there mad. And, and you know, I'm just tossing and turning and, um, you know, finally get up early the next morning. And I, I go to get my Bible and um, which is what I always do. I just went to get, you know, I'm, I'm just I just need you to wash my thoughts, Jesus. I just need you to wash my thoughts with your word. And so I sat down with the Bible and I'm praying and, and you know, I just really felt the Lord pressing on my heart you need to go and you need to apologize to Rick for what you said. You need to ask him to forgive you and tell him that you love him, that you do not hate him. And I did. And he was very gracious. And, and, um, you know, it was the, the first UT football game. And, and because he had played college ball, my dad had played college ball. It was Football for us was fun. And so we had planned to take the boys to my mom and dad's and just watch football and pretend like it was normal and just play with play with our little guys. And um, he said, you know, I'm going to go take the, the garbage and then I'll just meet you over to mom and dad's. So, you know, he kissed me goodbye. He didn't say goodbye to the boys and he just left. And so I gathered up, you know, all the stuff you know, with the, with little boys and, and, uh, but then Ben, you know, he's got oxygen and he's got a heart monitor and, you know, taking Ben somewhere is, is, you know, quite a feat. And, but I finally go, got over at mom and dad's with, with both the boys and all the stuff and the game, the football game came on, but Rick wasn't there. And, you know, if you're a football fan, you know, you don't miss kickoff. And, and so, you know, I knew something was up. Um, but we didn't have a cell phone at that point, so I couldn't call him. And, you know, halftime comes, he's still not there. Mm-hmm. So I load the boys up and, and I'm driving around looking, you know, everywhere I could think um, to look. I then called my my pastor and he and my music minister spent Saturday night in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, driving around the bars looking for my husband. You know, my church family. Um, were hands and feet to me. Sunday came and, and there was no word. Monday came and I had to take Ben to the hospital for all the pre-admitting and, and test for surgery that was planned on Tuesday. Um, Tuesday came and um, I thought, surely, you know, surely he would, he would show up for that surgery, but he didn't come. And um, Ben made it through the surgery and was placed in ICU. And I filed a missing person report from the hospital. On Thursday, uh, the police came and asked me to step outside of Ben's room. And they sat me in a, a, a chair in another room and 
they told me that um, they had found uh, my husband's truck and there was a body inside and that visual identification was not possible. And Rick had driven um, to a warehouse that was owned by his company and he had um, put a hose on the back of his tailpipe and put it into the cab of the truck and he had killed himself. There was no note. There was nothing. And I remember just falling to my knees crying and, and what seemed like seconds, my church family was, they were flooding that hospital. And somebody told me I needed to go home and make arrangements. And I remember thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to arrange because, you know, everything has just fallen apart. But Jesus. And they put me in a, in a wheelchair because I was, I was crying so hard that I couldn't, I couldn't walk. And um, right when we got to the door, um, daddy had pulled the car up. And right when we got to the door, mom comes walking in and she's got Will. Will runs up to me and jumps in my lap in that wheelchair. And, you know, like a toddler, he was just oblivious to my tears and just loving riding in the wheelchair. And, and um, they push me out and I'm, I'm trying to buckle Will in the car. And, you know, and he looks up at me and he says, Mama, where my daddy? And I, you know, I, I should have, you know, got counseling first or read a book first, but I just, I just looked over at him and I said, baby, I said, daddy has died. And even though he was just three, he knew what that meant because God and his sovereignty had allowed our dog Jake to die about two weeks before that. And so we'll just laid his little head down and he cried. And we went home to my mom and dad's and mom put me in her bed and I'm holding Will and I'm praying and I'm just, you know, I'm just talking to Jesus. You know, God, I, I wish, I wish Rick was here. I wish it was his big arms that were holding me. God, I think this is so hard. And God, are you here? In scripture that I never remember memorizing just started flooding my mind. You know, everything that the enemy was throwing at me, and you better know he was throwing things at me, God was refuting with truth from his word. He was so thick in that room. He was with me in those moments. And it wasn't just one day at a time. It was one second at a time. And he lifted my head and he carried me when I could not walk on my own. He took care of me. He loved me through the body of Christ, through his people. You know, diapers would show up at my door. Bills would be paid for. Meals would show up. Friends would just come and just sit with me. God is who he says he is. And he loves us with an unending love. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And those are not just words. That is truth that we can stand on. And we need to know that. We need to know that. We need to prepare for that. We need to spend time with him now because all of us, every one of you who are listening right now, at some point, we're going to face something hard. And you may say, well, it's not as hard as that or my heart is hard. Your heart is hard is your heart is hard. And you need to know 
that Jesus will be there. You need to know him in real relationship. It's not enough just to know about him. You need to experience him in your life through his word. He will speak to you through that word. You want you need to know you can pray to him about everything, not just those big things. You can pray to him about everything. He wants to make his presence known. He wants you to know that you can trust him more than you trust yourself. That's who he is. He's so good to me. He has been so good to me. He has carried me and there is nothing There's absolutely nothing strong in me. You know, if I could gather my high school and college friends right now, they would all sit here and go, yeah, there is nothing strong in her. It is Jesus. It is nothing but Jesus. He's who he says he is. Yeah. And Kim, um, because I obviously, you know, I read the book and I know that you go and, and sharing, you know, Though the word of God was there and the Lord was there with you, just reminding you of all the beauties and just reminding you of, of who he is. Obviously, you know, something uh, so dark like this, uh, that the, the brokenness that, that, that you faced, um, your child being sick, uh, your husband committing suicide and and all at once, right? Like what we were uh, saying before, it's like you have one trial and then the, the other one is waiting right uh, right, right outside the door, like waiting for mm-hmm. you to come out, right? Um, right. Because your baby is still sick and then this happens and it's like it, things just seem to be getting worse and worse. Uh, do you mind just sharing a little bit about what happened at, that, at one point in your life that did you think about committed suicide did you did this loneliness and this brokenness was so deep that you know we fail and we right and we try to run to the easy way out so do you mind to explain what happened and yes what led you to that yeah um I'm I'm so thankful that God is a God who is gracious and merciful um you know and tells us to take one day at a time, you know, because each day has enough trouble of its own. And so the days that I was able to go to him with just this day, Lord, let's just, just this one day, here's what I know is happening today. Will you walk with me in this day? There's peace. But the moment that I tried to do it all on my own and think, you know, I, I, I'm going to do this. And I start worrying about tomorrow and all the what ifs. And the moment that I, you know, I back up from the word um, and don't make that a priority. The enemy, that's when he turns up the guns. And, you know, the enemy has a target on our backs and he he has come to kill and destroy. I mean, he, he is the father of all lies. And so there was a time where, you know, I began to look around and think, you know what? Um, my boys would be better off in a, in a two-parent family. You know, I began to believe that as a single mama, I could not raise them and that really it would be better if, if I would just die because I, I was lonely. I was, I was sad. You know, God doesn't, he created us with emotion. And just because we're believers does not mean that we're not going to experience emotion. It's what do we do with that emotion? You know, do we run to him with it? Or do we try to just bottle it all up inside of us and and walk in our own strength? 
And so there was a period of time where I was like, I just, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And so it was one of those mornings where the boys were especially bad. And, you know, I was just thinking, I just need somebody with skin on them here to help me with them. I'm just tired. And, and I, I just, I do, I think they'd be better off if I just wasn't here. And so I called my dad and I asked him if he could just, you know, come over for a little bit. And my sweet daddy, you know, he comes over and I grabbed my keys, walked out the back door and I left. I didn't tell him where I was going and I was just driving and I was mad and I was upset. And I was thinking, you know what? I just, I don't want to live, you know, I I don't want to live. And so I pulled into a convenience store and I bought, I think it was a a wine cooler. I'm not even sure if they make those anymore, but I thought I'm going to drink some alcohol. And I had trouble because I couldn't get the top off of it. And, you know, so that made me more mad. But finally, you know, I got the top off of it and I, I, I drove to the cemetery. And I, you know, I drink my, my wine cooler and I march up to Rick's grave and I just start yelling at him. You know, you did this. This is your fault. You know, you've messed up everything about my life. And, you know, all of this as I'm as I'm yelling and, and yelling at his grave, you know, I yell, you jerk. Well, where his grave is, there's a hill, a big hill, and it echoed back at me. You jerk. And in, in that moment, it was like the Lord was saying, look what I've done for you. I am, I have been here with you every moment. You have, you've left your father. He's worried to death right now, surely with your children. Look what you've done. And I just started crying because I realized that, you know, here I was ignoring the very available help from the Lord and walking in my own strength. And I got back in the car and I drove, I called at that point, I had a cell phone, I called my pastor and I'm explaining everything. And, you know, he says, you know, why don't you just pull into the McDonald's? So I pull into the McDonald's, I'm explaining everything that had gone on and what I'd done. And I start noticing police at the McDonald's. And I said, you know, I said, um, I think there's something going on here at the McDonald's. There might be a robbery or something. And all the people are coming to the windows and there's more police cars. Well, little did I know the police were there for me. And there I sat in the McDonald's parking lot with an open thing of alcohol in my car. And I start telling him, you know, this big, long story of everything that happened and why I'd done what I'd happened, what I'd done and how sorry I was and all this stuff. And as I'm talking, I look over to see my sweet daddy pull up in a car. He gets up and he comes walking towards me and the police started shaking his hand because he had coached a lot of them in high school football and they all knew him and they decided that I was able to leave with him. And he put me, you know, in the car with him and I, my head's just down in shame. But my sweet dad, he just hugged me and said, I love you and God's going to get you through this. What mercy, what grace from my earthly father and from my heavenly father. And, you know, none of us have outstanded the ability of our Lord to run back to him. He, you know, as long as we've got breath in our lungs, we can run back to him or we can run to him for the first time. And walking with him daily daily we need him every single day because on our you know at, 
As a man thinks, the Bible says, so he is. As a woman thinks, so she really is. We need to wash our thoughts with truth every single day because it is so easy to walk in emotion, to walk in the lies that the enemy is throwing at us from this world, and to miss the freedom and the victory that God has for us. He is so good. I know that he is enough to sustain us when all else seems to fail us. But that's not just something you can know or hear one time. You need to know that daily. You need to walk with him daily. And, you know, you need the word of God. It's not just some religious checklist. It's life-giving. He's a truth teller. That's how he's going to direct your steps to his best. That's how he's going to take care of you. Because he loves you and he wants to speak to you. He wants to carry you. He wants to carry us because he is a good, good father. Ella, I want to bring you back now because you um, you have a funeral to prepare. You have a child who is sick. Um, can you tell me a little bit then how all of that process go? goes for you because I remember in the book when you talked about the whole thing of the funeral and the decisions that you you know the choices that you were going to make that Rick had one choice but then you went with yours and it has to do right because there was anger uh there was so much anger and uh, so so tell me a little bit about all of that process all the preparation Mm -hmm. and how you know how is the church involved the family and getting mm-hmm. helping you through this part of your life, through this season right. of your life. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, funerals are, are extremely expensive. Um, and so, you know, coming from a point where we were, you know, living in a trailer um, with, you know, everything we had really of value, he had hawked for, for drugs. Um, I didn't have a lot of money, but the church, um, you know, they were so good to me and that they helped pay for the funeral. My mom and dad helped pay for the funeral. God provided for me. You know, he is, he's a father to the fatherless. He is a husband to the husbandless. And those aren't just words. Um, he did that. Um, but I was, you know, I was dealing with anger and I remember, you know, Rick had always said he wanted to be cremated. Why by golly, I was not cremating that man and he was going to have a casket and that was how that went. And so, you know, I bought this, this expensive casket and, you know, why I don't know to be put in the ground, but I did. And, you know, but a a lot of the things that I was doing, you know, I was, I had friends there who were gently, carefully speaking truth. Um, And I had truth tellers in my life. And that is so important. You know, we, we can all surround ourselves with friends that are going to agree with us all the time. Um, But you need some friends who love Jesus and who love you and who can speak truth into your life. Um, even when that is a hard truth, even when you need correction, uh, because that's just, that's just part of them truly loving you because they don't want anything, no sin, nothing to come between you and your walk with, with Jesus. And so was very thankful that, um, that God had surrounded me with some godly women, um, who loved me enough to, to tell me truth. So praise God for that. Uh-huh. It's true. Like we can get so falling into that, you know, obviously difficult times. It's it's the easiest time to get us into self-pity and making us not make the, the right decisions. Like, right. And, and then just act up on anger, you know, like mm-hmm. um, we can be consumed by our, our, our anger. And I think I I've experienced that in my life and 
definitely didn't make the right decisions. Praise the mm-hmm. Lord that he was there to point me to scripture, to point me through uh, to his word, uh, because otherwise I don't think like those choices that I made, would I wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just by the grace of God that, that we can come clean before the Lord. Like you said, mm-hmm. we can come to him. We can uh, run to him even when we haven't made the right choices, choices right. that haven't glorified him or um, choices right. that is out of our right. own selfishness. Right. And I think, you know, I think the surrender part, you know, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, it's that one big surrender, but then it's daily surrender and it's daily surrender of our circumstances, you know, because all of us can come up with, here's how I want this to go, Lord. This is how, this is my way to happy right here. Mm -hmm. But I think it's that daily surrender of God, whatever, you know, whatever your wills, I surrender this circumstance, this day, this situation, this want, this wish, whatever it is, I'm, I'm going to surrender this to you over and over again, because it's there that, that we have the peace, you know, because the enemy loves to say, well, didn't, shouldn't God have given you this or made this easy for you? Or, you know, because, you know, we've, in the years that have passed, um, you know, hard things still happen. You know, and it's easy for me to go, well, didn't I go through enough hard stuff back then, you know, that, that I shouldn't have to face this hard thing now, but that that's not, you know, God tells us in this world, we're going to have trouble. And so he can take those hard things and work good from them when we give them to him and when we follow him in them. And so I think that's, that's the thing is, is when you go to that, you know, whatever that the circumstance is that you don't like or the worry that you're worried about. And you say, God, even if this happens, you're still good. You can still bring good. That's when the peace comes flooding in. And that's the thing I think we're all going to have to do until we, you know, take our last breath, this side of heaven. Until we're in our perfect bodies, you know, in perfect uh, sinlessness um, and that we can be with our Lord. But like you said, that's what the Lord Jesus, that's the thing is, now in Christianity, so many so-called preachers are preaching a gospel that it's like, come to Jesus and he will make you happy or he will give mm-hmm. you what your heart desires. And honestly, that's not what Jesus told, told us. No. Right? He told us you will have trouble. Even your yeah. own family will turn against yeah. you because of my name. Uh, you will yeah. be persecuted because right. you need to die to self. I mean, that's not a popular thing to hold up there. Let's all die to self. But that's where the peace is. That's where the joy is. That's where the hope is. And and I think when churches aren't telling that, they're misleading people. Um, Because it it is in the dying to self and the living for him that we truly live. Yeah. So, Kim, what did like look like for you then after, uh, you know, the funeral? So now you'll have obviously the two boys. What about Ben? Uh, what happened with his health? And what about you, your work life? And and, mm-hmm. and how did you see the Lord providing for you guys now? Because now you're a single mom and right. you have to raise them on your own. Yeah, um, being a single mom is super hard. It is incredibly, incredibly hard. But my church, again, they were they were so good and kind that they they helped. We had started a small house. They helped me finish it. I was able through um, Social Security death benefits 
to um, to get Ben some insurance because he had topped out of private insurance and we've been kicked off that. So so we had insurance and we had we had you know a little bit of money to live on each month. God provided you know through that time Ben's health you know his those he had T cells that weren't working. He you know just his immune system was compromised. Everything was bad. Well just all of a sudden those T cells that had not been working started working and the doctors had absolutely no explanation, but I know that God is still a miracle maker. And so Ben began to improve. Um, You know, we began to be able to go to church, which was huge for me to be able to, you know, to actually go and fellowship with other believers. Um, And so that was, that was a huge thing. Um, and so for a couple of years, you know, I existed as a single mama, um, just one day at a time, you know, I remember one day, um, you know, that they, it was hard. I remember going to the mailbox, praying, Lord, I need some strength for those boys. And, and, um, you know, I, I was worried because I was thinking, you know, are they getting the things that they need from a, from a man, you know, cause I can't tell them how to be a godly man. And, you know, I'm just praying and praying. And, and I, that day I went to the mailbox and I get a card that said, you know, I will be a father to the fatherless and anonymous. It was signed, you know, God was just speaking over and over, just carrying me through. And so the years went by and and I started having friends who said, you know, Kim, have you ever thought, you know, would you date again? And I'm like, no, no, no. You know, I will just raise these boys and then I'll die. And that's going to be that. And, um, so they were all, you know, laughing and saying, well, what if, you know, what do you think a godly man would look like? And so they got out their Bibles and, you know, we came up with these 10 traits of a godly man. Should I ever want to date? And so I, I was laughing. I said, well, you put number 11 on there. He's not going to drive a truck because I'm not riding around in a truck. And so they laughed, you know, but the next thing you know, they all started feeling like, you know, they needed to fix me up, you know, so they were, you know, it was their UPS man or their bug man or, you know, just anybody that, you know, they're all trying to fix me up. And I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to date. And how do you date with little boys and, you know, all this stuff. But, but I knew that my boys, you know, probably did need a godly man in their life. You know, we would go to Walmart, and you know, Will would start like knocking the man in front of us, you know, just to get a man's attention, you know, and then he'd turn around and point at me like, and there's my mom, you know, and just, you know, totally embarrassed me, you know, over and over again. But um, so anyways, uh, long, another long story short, um, I was at church one Sunday and um, this man who, bless his heart, he can be late just about anywhere he goes. He was trying to go to another church. He was new in town. He realizes he's not going to make it on time. So he just pulls into our church. And I was sharing something that day. I can't remember. And he took notice of me, got to know my brother, got to know my family, got to know me and ended up asking me out. And I knew um, very quickly that he was everything on that list, the godly man who, who loves Jesus first and foremost. But number 11, he does drive a truck. And so I know, I kind of think God has a sense of humor um, because he does drive a pickup truck. and. Um, but he did, um, he did ask me uh, to marry him and uh, he adopted Will and Ben, you know, absolutely. Um, I'm so thankful that God has brought him into our lives and, and we have a daughter now and, um, you know, God has been good to me, but they're the icing on my cake. 
God is, he's still my cake. He's my everything. He's my rock solid. He's my foundation. And so that way I can love them as I need to love them and not expect them to do everything for me that only God can do. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And so you were, uh, as I was reading the book, you were at 27, 27 mm -hmm. years old, right? You were a mm -hmm. single mom of two. Uh -huh. right? And so uh, when did you uh, get married then? I got married um, two years later, so 29. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And the Lord has blessed you with a daughter now. Yes. And Ben. Yeah, she turned well. 22 yesterday. So I yeah, time has yes. blown. Yeah. I know. I was, honestly, I was putting, like, trying to put the puzzle together when I first uh, listened to your testimony. I'm like, wow, okay, so this has been a while ago. Like, mm -hmm. it's been, it's been, it's how long since uh, uh, the break, uh, since he passed away? It's been. He died in 1996. 1996. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And mm -hmm. then you have the two boys, and the two boys are. 20. About to be 26 and 28. And yeah, so um, they're, they're doing great. Um, you know, we've, we've walked some hard roads. We have, um, you know, Ben has had two heart surgeries. Um, he has played high school basketball. Um, he has overcome everything that anyone thought he couldn't do. He's a spunky thing. Um, he uh, graduated with honors and does logistics for a corporation. He's been helping get toilet paper to everyone during the pandemic. So um, wow. he's had a crazy busy job that um, loves Jesus. Um, he serves in church, has taken some seminaries, trying to figure out, you know, what God's doing with that. And, mm. um, you know, he's he's doing really good. Will has um um, had, had, had a bout with cancer, you know, so that was a whole other thing that, you know, we didn't mm -hmm. see coming. I, you know, that was one of those things where I thought, God, okay, you know, we've, we've had some hard and I thought it was just Ben that was going to have the hard. And then, um, you know, we'll had a bout with cancer, but God, you know, he continues to use the hard for good. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think any of us would know Jesus as well without the hard days. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So, and how did yeah. you approach the telling them at what point in, in their lives did you tell them? I mean, I know that Ben, uh, sorry, Will with Will, it was like kind of right in the moment right. that he was, right. you know, that he received the information, but how did you manage to then tell them about what happened to their dad? Right. right. Um, they, you know, as they grew up, we, I, I did get them in counseling and, um, I would answer their questions as they came just giving them just the information they was they were asking um you know a lot of times they would you know they would be in a they would ask a question you know they knew their dad had died they knew he was buried in a grave they knew you know little things like that so they kind of grew up knowing that and then at the point I, I talked to them about drugs I talked to them about um the suicide and that was that was terrifically hard uh, for them. And, and I will be very honest with you. They both, uh, continue to have to wash their thoughts with truth, you know, to, to think, you know, my dad would rather have died than stayed here with me, you know, and when we hit major milestones, like, you know, high school graduation or college graduation, you know, times when they feel like he should have been there, 
I notice it's a little bit harder. You know, even though they they have a super relationship with their dad, with Darren, um, you know, that that's a wounding. And the enemy, you know, he kicks us where it hurts. And so, um, you know, while I've seen God use it for good in that they've gone to him with hard questions, I've also seen the enemy continue to try to to use it. I think we've gotten better at talking. You know, I, I've, I've learned to recognize a big milestone's coming up. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about how you may feel, how I may feel, getting them to talk it through, getting them to really walk in their identity in Christ. That has, that's, that's been, you know, a, a big difference maker. Um, and they're different, you know, Ben, Ben reads the Bible and just is like, okay, I, I read it. I apply it. I believe it. I walk in it. Will, on the other hand, is more to question and to struggle. And God, do you, do you really mean this? And did you really say this? And so, you know, I, I have to watch, you know, how they're going to perceive things differently. And, um, but God, I mean, he gives us what we need when we need it. And it's out of that, you know, as, as mamas, as parents, we've got to spend time in the word ourselves so that that can then overflow into the lives of our kids. We don't in and of ourselves have what our kids need in this hard world. You know, they're, this generation is facing terrifically hard things. And so it's so vitally important that as parents, we spend time in the word and we trust God enough that we're going to continue to encourage them to walk in truth, even when that truth is not popular with our world. Yeah. And what about being in the situation that you were back then? Like, you know, uh, uh, Ben being so sick and your husband wasn't really much available and it was distant, like you said. Obviously, in times like that, we know that, yes, we run to God for in prayers and we run to the Lord. But how did you manage to fit in into Bibles, uh, you know, like your Bible study, spending time in scripture. Uh, what about the church? What was your dynamic? What you're still able to, did you, for, like, you, did you make yourself go to church even when things were this difficult in your life? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, when Ben was, when Ben was so sick and he was immune compromised, we couldn't go to church. We could, I couldn't even have Will around other kids. That time was especially um, difficult. I knew I had to fight to get, get the truth in, especially after Rick had died and I was a single mom. So I would get up at five o'clock in the morning. I, I just pray, God, wake me up, you know, wake me up early. Lord, I want you more than coffee. I'm not even going to have a cup of coffee until I have time with you. Now, now I do have coffee with my Bible, but back yes. then I was just like, God, no, nothing but you. And he would wake me up and, and he would give me what I needed for that day. And I, and I really, really focusing on that one day, you know, because our minds are so capable of every kind of crazy what if scenario. And so I had to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and say, nope, just this one day, God, let me, let me be aware of your presence in this one day. Give me the strength to, to, to parent these boys. Help me to answer their questions as you would have me answer them. You know, anoint my tongue to speak to them as you would have me speak to them. I mean, I, it was constant. I just need you. I need you. I need you. And I've got to fill my mind with truth. You know, that's, that's a lot of how, you know, I did it. Now, when I started going to church, um, after being better, you know, church is hard for a single person, for a single mama. It's hard because a lot of times it's very couple family oriented. And so 
I felt like, well, do I really belong here? You know, I feel like the odd man out. And um, But my church family was really sweet to try to surround me. You know, men would very um, interactive with my boys and, you know, things that I didn't know how to do, like, you know, baseball, you know, things like that. They would, you know, try to include my kids with their their kids and, and do things like that. So that was always a big help. And, and you know, and, and my friends pursued me, you know, and, and I think that's important. You know, when God puts somebody on your heart, when just out of the blue, you just think about somebody, pick up the phone and call them, you know, check on them. Because that's how God helps us love one another. And, you know, the enemy loves a lone ranger and it's easy to pull away, especially, you know, in the times of the pandemic and, you know, all of that. It's easy to feel like we're all isolated and the enemy can run with that. So it, we've got to be deliberate to to meet with others. The Bible tells us to continue to meet together and to encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching of his return. And, you know, and I do think that that day may be coming soon. And so, you know, continuing to meet with other believers right now is, is incredibly important. Yeah. And I do have another question. I, I guess it, it will be more as to encourage believers in the way that sometimes when we see people going through a difficult time. Uh, and I think because I've shared with you the first time that we talk over the phone about what my husband and I experienced, how he right. uh, was going through health issues, right? So sometimes when people uh, see other believers probably going through such a difficult time, they don't, they probably don't know how to approach into asking this person, how are you doing? Because now, well, I'm well aware that things are not going well, right? Mm -hmm. Are you doing okay? Is that the right question to ask? How can we uh, better encourage our brothers and sisters and to not mm -hmm. uh, neglect from asking them, you know, like, how are you doing? How can mm -hmm. I, you know, be, you know, praying maybe for you. Right. So how can people approach that fellow brother probably that it's going through a right. hard time? Right. You know, when, when, when the tragedy first happened, when, when Rick first died, you know, people would just come and sit with me, you know, just sit with me. They would, they would hold Ben. They would just sit with me. You know, I wasn't ready to talk yet. And, and just their presence was important, you know, but then fast forward, you know, as, as I began to be ready to talk, when people would come up to me and say, how can I pray for you? That was helpful. The people who would say, let me know if I could do anything. Well, I, I wasn't usually going to call somebody and say, hey, I need you to do something. But people who would say, hey, I'm bringing you a meal Saturday. Or can we pick up Will and take him to the playground? To Things like that, um, they meant so much to me because I, I just needed a break. I mean, just just a, a little bit of a break. And so those kind of things were huge to me. And, and so I think to pray, you know, ask the Lord, how can I? refresh her because the Bible tells us he who refreshes others refreshes himself. And so, you know, it, and even now, like if I'm kind of having a down day, I, I'll say, God, who can I refresh? Because it's like, it's, it refreshes my soul to help other people, you know, to call somebody up and just say, how can I pray for you? And then pray for them right then. I mean, um, you know, those are, those are life-giving things. That's to be a specific then, right? With the things that you're asking, not like, so how can I help you uh, mm -hmm. or, or reach out to me? Like if you need help, no, like 
like what you said, right? Can I pick up a will? Can I pick up the groceries for you today? Um, So be more specific with how you ask and how you can help. Right. Send a gift card in the mail with a, with a scripture. Just tell somebody, you know, God loves you. And he put me on, he put you on my heart today. You know, there's all kinds of ways that we can bless other people and, and God blesses us in that. I mean, he, he truly does. And then the the last question before we get to our, our signature question of the podcast, uh, what about the young ladies? Either they're single, they, they desire to get married, uh, or maybe they're married. How will you say, because you were clueless of what the future was holding for you, right? You had no mm-hmm. idea what was waiting for you ahead. But how can us women begin to prepare our hearts, our minds, our lives for whatever the future might hold for us mm-hmm. so that when we come through those dark times where our faith is not shaken, that we are mm-hmm. firm in the Lord, that, 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 that we can honor him during those time, you know? So mm-hmm. how can they begin preparing themselves? You know, I think, I think first and foremost is that surrender, um, that you surrender whatever, Lord, whatever you want, I want. You know, I want your will for my life because it's exceedingly abundantly more than I could ask or imagine. Even if that involved God, I, I, I just want to surrender that to you. You know, the things that, that, cause we all have hopes and wishes. I mean, that's just, that's just how we are. And, you know, I want a husband. Well, I'm going to, I'm not going to do anything to go outside of God's will to get one. I'm going to follow him completely because I want his best for me. You know, I don't, I don't want to compromise in, in, you know, the physical area or any other way because I trust God more than I trust me. So therefore I'm going to follow him in my dating relationship. And I think that's extremely important. And I think you also have to be willing to say, God, even if, you know, even if you never bring me a husband, you're enough. Help me to mean that you're that. Help me to know that and live that. And because it's, it's there, I think that God you know, when he's the desire of our heart, then the, uh, then the other things can come and be in their rightful place. But if we're holding other things up as idols, because really anything we're putting ahead of God is an idol, those things, they're never going to be good for us. And we're going to, we're either going to wear them out trying to make them make us happy. You know, we're going to push them away and destroy that relationship. But when Jesus is in first place, when we keep him in first place, when we follow him as Lord, as boss of our life, then everything else comes to be where it needs to be. And so I would just encourage young women to do that. Married women, make sure that you're spending time with Jesus and make sure you're loving your husband as Christ would have you love him. Because I have seen God do miracles in marriages that I thought there's no way this one's ever going to be happy. But when we follow Jesus, there's there's nothing impossible for him. Absolutely nothing. And you may say, well, I, you know, I love my kids. I do anything for my kids. Well, if you love your kids, love your husband, because that's how you're protecting your children. You know, that's how you protect your home because the enemy has a target on your back. But if you're loving Jesus, you're loving your husband, you're protecting your children. So that would be my advice to them. Thank you for that. And thank you so much, Kim. Um, and now uh, talking about books, well, I already mentioned <laughs> your books, but are there any other book, like, are there any books that have been helpful for you or that 
maybe on your favorite list uh, to read to that you would like to recommend? Yeah, I love uh, Oswald Chambers. Uh, my utmost for his highest. I like New Morning Mercies, um, Ted Trip. I love um, devotionals like that, but I never read those standalone. I mean, God's word is first and foremost. So if you if you read something like that, read it. But go, but be sure you're spending time in the word first and foremost. Don't ever put that in place of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, to read God's word, the whole counsel of God's word, you know, to read it in an orderly fashion, to understand the the times that the people were living in, to understand what you're reading. So, because it's so, so rich. So I guess, you know, I do, I love, I love um, Spurgeon. I love Chambers. I love lots of, of theologians that God has used over the years. Um, and there's lots of, of different, you know, podcasts and, and things that I tune into. I love Girl Defined. I love Revive Our Hearts. Um, I love, I love what you're doing. And I thank you for what you're doing. And But don't, don't ever put anything in place of God's word. Because it's yeah. it, it, it's what we all need first and foremost. And because we mentioned the book again, I just want to show you for our listener uh-huh. truth to hold on to. You can find it on Amazon. That's where I got it from. And uh, you go in so much details. I love how transparent and how much mm-hmm. detail you go. You really bring us in into your journey. So I I highly recommend. I mean, I already Thank told you, you that a friend of mine. As soon as I post a book, she's like. I need to get that. <laughs> so she saw that I posted and she did. So, and um, she read it, she read it in, in one day. So it's very, you know, like thin, so it's very easy to read. And I, I really love it. I love that you, you wrote it down, Kim. So now Kim, th- uh, three things that brings you joy. Uh, Jesus, uh, my time with him in the mornings. I mean, that's my favorite of my whole day. Um, just, just spending time with him. Um, he has been so good to me and continues to be good to me. And then uh, he's blessed me with family, um, family that love him, family that love being together. I mean, it's, I, I love my family and I love seeing him at work in the lives of others. You know, the times that I get to go and speak and share about him and, and to see women come to know him and come to walk with him in real relationship. I mean, that's just that's pretty awesome right there. So I guess those would be my, my three things. So, yeah. And so how can everyone uh, find you? Cause I know you have a Facebook page that they mm-hmm. can a blog in a blog page, right? Yes. They can follow. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing with our listeners yes. and I'll make sure to add it in the show notes as well. Thank you. Thank you. So you can find me at kimjaggers.com. You can sign up to receive the blog there on email or on Facebook at Kim Jaggers Daily Seeking Him. And and I'll just often post, um, you know, what book of the Bible I'm studying and what God is teaching and and those sorts of things. Um, So I would love to connect with you there. I'm on Instagram also. I'm a little bit long-winded for Instagram, so I usually have to break it up into a comment, but I'm there as just Kim Jaggers. Yeah. So you guys, for uh, our listeners, uh, you will be able to find it on the show notes as well on the YouTube page. It will be added in there. Now I do have another question, which is this whole podcast, it's all uh, with the goal to point everyone to one person alone, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So why do we need Jesus Christ? We need Jesus for everything, but we need him 
um, for salvation because, you know, we were um, enemies. You know, we weren't just lost or confused, but, but God says we were enemies. And God sent his son when we were enemies to die for us. And he is the only way that a sinful people can be near a holy God. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only way. And and that blood covers us and makes us clean. But it's not enough just to know about this. You know, the Bible, again, tells us the demons believe and shudder. So a head knowledge is not enough. So the question is, have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? All you know of you to all you know of him. And if you've done that, that changes everything. But it's not just about heaven. It's not just about eternity, how glorious those are going to be. It's about the here and now. I mean, he is the Savior who is a friend who is closer than a brother. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to make those good days sweeter. And he's going to carry you through the hard days that we all face. And I don't know how anyone can make it one day without him. Because once you taste and see how good he is, he's everything. Amen. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you for spending this time with us on our podcast. I do hope to have you back some other time. I would love it. I would love it. Thank you for all you do to point others to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, I do like having my guests back. So don't, don't be surprised if I show up again on, you know, and text you will be like, will you like to join me on the podcast? Yes. <laughs> yes. But, um, yeah. But thank you again, Kim. And I, for it, all of our listeners or where we'll be watching the video, please find uh, the links to uh, Kim's account on the show notes. And Kim, will you, you mind closing us in prayer? I would love to. Lord, I just thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity just to speak your holy name. God, I thank you for those who are listening, God, that that you, you, Lord, are speaking. Lord, that you love them with an unending love, Lord. That you've offered your son to die for us, God, and how that changes everything. God, I pray that if there's anyone out there who's listening, who's never surrendered their life to you, God, I pray that this would be the day. And Lord, I just pray they would surrender their life to you and walk in the newness that is Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for this program. I thank you for um, this friend, Lord. I thank you for her heart for you. And I pray, God, that you would continue to bless and use her ministry, God. Lord, use it for, for the good of others, but most of all, God, for your glory. Because all glory and all honor and all praise is due to you and you alone. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.